Good morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have opened our eyes, that we can see Jesus, that we can know that life is more than our 70-odd, 80-odd years here. It goes on for eternity. I thank you for the wonderful things that Jesus has done for us. Just as a physically blind person misses out on so much of your glory around about and the wonderful weather and great days we've been having, so there are people who miss out on the glories of your gospel and don't realize what wonders are there. We pray that as we come to your word today, that we may be strengthened and have a clear understanding of the gospel ourselves and be able to share with such people that they also can have their eyes opened and come to know you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're taking a break from our Ephesians series. <clears throat> I'm going to do a series called The Gospel from the Four Gospels and Acts. Um, today we'll be doing the Gospel from the Gospel of Matthew. Later in the service, there'll be a chance for you to share scriptures from the Gospel of Matthew that relate to the Gospel. I'm looking forward to that after the sermon. As I was preparing for this series, I studied through, I read through the the New Testament and jotted down references to the gospel and I realized there's many aspects to the gospel. Um, It's like what they call a multifaceted diamond. So each face has its own particular part of glory and it adds to the whole diamond. Or you could liken it to uh, individual instruments musical instruments all making up one glorious orchestra. Each one has its contribution. And so you've got um, aspects like talking about who is Jesus and the day of judgment and forgiveness and um, who does God want to hear the gospel? Who's going to be changed by it? What is the gospel? All these different aspects that we'll see as we um, look through this series and as you contribute. So each week we'll have a slight change of emphasis on the points that I pick up, the aspects that I pick out. Today, as I said, we'll be doing from the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, we need to know what Matthew teaches about who is Jesus. For some scriptures today, I'll ask you to turn with me. And others, because I have so many. I'm just going to read through them so you can just listen. So who is Jesus? So Matthew, more than any other gospel, draws witness from the Old Testament about who Jesus is. Now the Old Testament prophesied about Jesus. Just from that fact alone you can know that Jesus is a pretty special person. There are details about Jesus' life which were foretold hundreds of years before 
Um, no other person is treated like that in the Old Testament. For example, you've got um, the prophecies about his birth. From Matthew 1, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So his virgin birth was prophesied. King Herod wasn't pleased to hear that there may be another king being born. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So his birthplace was foretold. In the same chapter, talking about Joseph, the father of Jesus, and he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. So in his foreign travel was recorded. Jesus, as you know, went about doing good, preaching the gospel and healing many people. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. When he was about to enter Jerusalem, Jesus came into the city riding on a donkey. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. So even this detail of Jesus' life was foretold. And Jesus himself said later, The Son of Man goes, as it is written of him. Speaking to his disciples just before he went to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And when he was arrested, Peter drew out his sword to protect Jesus. And Jesus said to him, Put your sword back in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled, that it must be so? And then it says, or Jesus says, But all this has taken place, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. So Jesus is a very special person. What did those around him think? Jesus came one night walking on the water to the disciples who were out in a boat rowing. Peter had his attempt to walk on water, which started well, didn't finish so well, but Jesus saved him and came into the boat. And it says, and those in the boat worshipped him. 
saying, Trudy, you are the son of God. These are Jews. They don't worship people. But they worshipped Jesus. Once Jesus asked his disciples, who do, you, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And when Jesus came into the city on his triumphal entry, the crowds went before him and, and it followed him was shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. That's the Messiah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And then finally at his trial, Jesus was being questioned. But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, you have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. This is the Jesus of the Gospels. Turn with me now to chapter 25 of Matthew. We'll read a few verses together. Matthew 25. And we'll read from verse 31 to 34. Jesus has just told the high priest that Jesus will come with the clouds of heaven. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And to read what happened to the others, see verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. This group were cursed. Why were they cursed? Let me read another scripture from Matthew 15. Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. He said, Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. These are what defile a person. These are what led to these people being cursed. And we can identify with them 
because that's how we were. Talking about judgment, Jesus says, for whoever, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. What is the hope for people? All of us can identify with that list of sins and the evil thoughts that come from our hearts. All of us have been under that curse. Turn with me to chapter 9 of Matthew. Matthew 9, verses 1 to 7. What hope is there for us from Jesus? Matthew 9, verse 1. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think such evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Rise, Pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God who had given such authority to man. What's the hope for us? The hope for us is that Jesus has authority to forgive sins. Jesus has authority to forgive sins. But everybody's sins... Whose sins? Who is the, the message to? And so now we look at the invitation. Jesus was a person who invited, a person who welcomed. I'll read the first couple of scriptures, and then we'll join in for the third one. First one's from Matthew 9. As Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus, the one who has the authority to forgive sins, came to call sinners, the very people that need forgiveness. We see another example of Jesus inviting and welcoming. We read about the children who were brought to him, that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And his disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. 
So whether there are adult sinners or children, come to me, Jesus said. Come to me. Turn with me now to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. We'll read this parable, verses 1 to 14. thinking now of the invitation of Jesus. Matthew 22, verse 1. And again Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. They were called, but they didn't come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been sorted, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. So some went off just because they had other things to do. Others ferociously opposed the king and his his invitation. Understandably, the king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. So we see the many that were called, including that first group, called more than once, but they were not chosen. And then we see this example of the man who turned up without a wedding garment. He also was not chosen. I was thinking of a kind of modern illustration of that feast. Unfortunately, some weeks ago I was watching YouTube and I saw a post. It was about a lady who was throwing a birthday party for her little son. And she booked out the McDonald's, um, the party room, paid for all the food. And um, the little boy was very excited about the occasion and turned up excited and they sat down. And nobody they invited turned up. Not a single person. They can imagine a parent's heart for their kid. Nobody's come to my son's birthday. Judging from the comments on YouTube, this is quite a common thing to happen. Um, people are remembering the times themselves at their own birthday party when nobody had turned up. But it was a sad thing. 
So what the lady did, she got onto social media and said to her local community, look, we're here at the McDonald's and nobody's turned up for my child's birthday party. If anybody wants to come and join in, you're most welcome. And the response was wonderful. Um, I think people from the local fire department heard and sort of came along in their uniforms and and um, neighbours came and, and other people came, not the ones that were invited, other people. But the amazing thing, or the thing that really stood out to me, was people came with birthday gifts. I mean, it was just an instant thing. They must have had something at home or called into a shop on the way, I don't know. But they came and gave presents to this little kid who they didn't really know. You see, they knew what they were going to. They were going to a birthday party. So they came in a fitting way to bring a birthday presents, a fitting thing to do when you go to a birthday party. And I presume for this king in the parable, the fitting thing was to go to a wedding with a wedding garment. It seems that there's only one person that didn't. So this man was despising the occasion. He's not fitted, not, not suitable for the occasion. Back to the McDonald's birthday party. If, if a, another person had turned up with a couple of Woolworths or some supermarkets <laughs> shopping bags and, and come in and, and grab the food and put into her shopping bags and start to walk out, you can imagine the other people would be horrified and stop her and just get back the bags and turf her out. It's the same sort of thing. When Jesus invites us, we must <clears throat> we must be fitting. We must live in a way that's fitting for the invitation. And much of the New Testament is about that, the fitting way that Christians should live. Let's look at another scripture together, Matthew 11. Verses 25 to 30. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Just look at that connection there. Nobody to know the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him, come to me. Jesus knew he could help people. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus invites. And what is the invitation for? We read this 
last week in the communion. But let's look at it again. Matthew 26, 26. Matthew 26, 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The invitation is for, among other things, the forgiveness of sins. As Jesus said elsewhere, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' invitation still stands today. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So if you're listening to the sound of my voice, either live or on a recording, and you haven't taken Jesus at his invitation, the invitation still stands. Come to Jesus. And if you have accepted that invitation, I ask you to check check your wedding garment. Are you living in a way that fits the invitation that you've received? Let's pray. You sent your son because you so loved the world. Your son gave his life as a ransom for many. And he invites people to come to him. We thank you that we are among those who have come to you. We ask that you would help us to live in a way that shows that. In Jesus' name. Amen.